this is not a story about you, but this is actually a story about God who was working in a fallen humanity to give himself up for that humanity. It is the love story of God, a redemptive story in which God is the main character. His name is Jesus Christ. This morning I want to share with you what it is to be a true Christian. The title of today's message is Real Deal Christians. And the reason that, that I entitled it this is that a lot of the times we get so wrapped up in who we think we should be that we lose sight of who God has really called us to be. And as we get into the scripture this morning, we're going to continue in 1 Timothy, and we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And if you remember last week, we hit on the qualifications of deacons, and we led out of those qualifications of deacons into what it means to be a servant. How it is that we are to give everything that we've got for the king. How, we, how can we lay ourselves down? How can we suffer well? How can we take the things that come at us and still maintain our, our integrity, still maintain who we are called to be in Jesus Christ. And if you'll remember, we said that we must be like Stephen. Even in the trials, even when we're getting pounded, even when we're getting crushed, even when we're getting smashed by things that are heavy, things that are, are weighing us down, we must see Jesus where he is and understand that we have relationship with him. And as, as Stephen looked into the face of Jesus as Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father, in my opinion, welcoming Stephen in, welcoming him after he had fought the good fight. Stephen is empowered, he is emboldened, he has the courage, even in the difficulty, to cry out, here I come. To cry out, Lord, forgive them, they don't know what's going on. To fight the good fight, to suffer well to the end. As we look at the qualifications of deacons and, and things like that, and we see that it must be the hope of Christ, the, the hope of the living God, that's what we're going to get into today. But as, even as I think of that hope, and I think of that freedom, and I think of that encouragement, and I think of that power, I had a friend come and, and talk to me right before the service started, and uh, she had a request, and, and I feel that we should honor the request, because we all need hope. And some of us are at desperate times in our life. I don't know, a lot of you, a small town of Landrum, and, and I know a lot, not all of you are from Landrum, but I know a lot of you in here will probably know Fatback, you know, Fatback McClure. Actually related to a lot of you. He is actually in a bad state right now. Um, I'm not sure exactly what all has went on in his life, but I know he's, he's near the end. He's in the, at the hospice house. And um, Terry came and asked me if we would pray for Fatback, and I said, sure. But you know, Fatback's not the only one. I know in that situation right now that a lot of you have loved ones in that situation. A lot of you have people who are really near and dear to you. And that, it might not be a physical tragedy or a physical closeness to death like this is, but it may be emotionally, spiritually, and, and something that's just weighing on your heart. So right now, I want to pray for Fatback. I want to pray for his family. I want to pray that they would hold on to that, that living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want to pray for you as well, where you are. Because I want you to see Jesus. I want you to be Jesus to a lot of those people around you who are suffering and who are hurting and who are in pain. That's what we're really going to talk about today. Because real deal Christians, they're not people who, you know, they do everything right and, and they, they make sure they follow the rules. You know, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about real, true Christians. We're talking about those who are free to love those who are free to live, those who are free to get close to those who are struggling and hurting, those who are free to hurt, those who are free to feel pain. Because you know what? Those who don't know Christ are so scared of feeling pain and feeling loss and feeling hurt that they will escape it at all measures. The problem is we leave hurting people in the dust when we are too afraid to feel pain. Are you free enough in Christ to get next to a hurting person? Are you fulfilled enough in Christ? Has your joy been seated in Christ so that you can get next to someone who you might have to cry with? So today, let's lift up Fatback and those who are in similar situations. Lord Jesus, pray with me if you would in your heart, in your mind. Jesus, I, I lift up Fatback. I lift up his family. God, we pray for an intervention, for a healing even. God, we know that you, uh, you don't always work that way. Sometimes you have other things for us, and sometimes it's just time to go home. 
maybe this is that time, maybe it's not, but what we pray is that your will would be, would be done and that your spirit, that your presence would fall thick on the room, God, and that, that they would see you, that he would see you. And I'm not sure exactly where he is in his faith, God. I pray that if he doesn't know you, that you would just show up and that you would, that you would whisper his name, that you would call his name. God, if he does, I pray that you would encourage him, lift him up, show him compassion for those that are close to him, God. I pray a special compassion and, and, and I pray a special peace over them. Lord, for everyone else in the room that is hurting and in pain, there are people in the room right now who are in pain and who are hurting. I pray for them. I pray that they would, that they would have uh, courage, that they would have boldness, that they would have peace in you. And God, I pray for that person right now that's sitting right beside them that they would have the courage and the freedom in you to put an arm around that pain, to put an arm around that hurt, to put an arm around that sorrow and invite that sorrow in and, and absorb some of that suffering like you absorbed it on the cross. Lord God, if we're not free to hurt with each other, if we're not free to cry, then we are not free. We do not just put people in boxes and tell them, do this, do that, God, but we do life with people and so that's what I pray that we would find courage and encouragement in one another that we would be a light that would not be covered that we would be hope that would shine through the darkness that we would be salt and that we would be light that we would preserve people to the end that's your command not mine and so Jesus I pray that we would all that we would all enter into your goodness and in your glory that we would be real I pray in Jesus a lot of pain today, a lot of hurt today, a lot of passion today, though, a lot of freedom. We've seen every spectrum of humanity here at the well in our short time. We've seen people in desperate need, in desperate situations. We've seen people set free from the drug and alcohol scene. We've seen people who are not, they're not slaves to that type of lifestyle, but they're very successful. Lots of money, lots of status, lots of of, 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 of clout in the community but we've seen them set free from their bondage to what people think and so they come and they enter into fellowship with people that are not like them you see we oftentimes set ourselves to think of, of working with sinners and, and people who are hurting and we only think about those who are ha that, that have obvious sins like drugs and alcohol and things like that but you know there's a whole other spectrum well, there's a whole other spectrum of people who have different kinds of sin and they, they look very successful. They look very prominent. They have lots of money. They have lots of friends, lots of, uh, of influence in the community. But at home, they're all by themselves because their God is their money and their influence. They need us to go after them just as much as the drug dealer does, maybe more, because they don't see their sin. The bottom line is, is that are you continually filled up full with Jesus Christ and living out of that overflow in such a way that it doesn't matter who you're around, that you automatically witness, your life is a witness, your, your words, your actions are a witness to those around you, that we need to live out Jesus Christ, that we need to be all about his business, and that we need to reach into every corner of the globe, that we need to reach every tribe, every tongue, every nation in every way and a lot of you are sitting here today because somebody was free enough and brave enough to love on you to come after you let's look at the scripture today I want to talk about real deal Christians I want to talk about being for real I want to talk about letting go of all the transparency I want to talk about letting go of all of the images and and what what people should think of me and and who I should be and all this kind of stuff I want to talk about that today I want to talk about living a life that you can be proud of that you can be uh, that you can be excited about that you can be passionate about and that life is found in Jesus Christ Paul says I don't boast in anything but if I do boast I boast in Christ I boast in the cross what are you about what are you about? Let's get into the scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be looking at the first five verses. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars who, whose consciences are seared. 
who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. It is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Five verses this morning to help you to understand where God is calling you to. What I want to look at this morning is real deal Christians, and I want to, I want to answer three questions about true Christians. Three questions about those who have really come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and have been transformed by Him. And I, I want you to know that sitting in this room right here are those of you who think that they know Christ, but actually you don't. Wesley and I was talking about this earlier. Billy Graham says that it is, it is his opinion that over 80% of the church are lost. Over 80% of the church are lost. That they think that they have come to know Jesus, that they think that they have done something with this God that they've heard about, that they think, but in their heart, they are wrong. Because they're not following God, they're following some set of rules or some set of, 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 of standards instead of knowing the one true God. You see, it's not about doing all the right things, it's about coming to know the one who did all the right things. So this morning, instead of listening to this guy up there talk about somebody else, because every one of you, I guarantee, just about has said, oh, I know somebody that that fits. If I could pass out a mirror right now, I'd say, let's focus on that person. Paul says, examine yourself, examine your heart, look inward to see whether or not you be of the faith. Be careful so that you don't drift away so this morning I would say ask yourself am I for real have I been transformed do I know the one true and living God or am I playing games let's not look at the person beside us and say are you listening to this let's look at ourselves and let's see I want to answer three questions about true Christians real deal Christians I want to look at who, who they are, who are they. I want to look at what are they doing, what are we to be about. And I want to look at where did they come from. Where do we come from, how did we get here, how did we get to this place in life. Who are they, what are they doing, where did they come from. You ready? Come on, y'all ready? Alright, let's get into the word. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving. The Bible says that, and when he says in later times, you need to understand that he means in these last days, in this time, in this time right now, that some... They will depart from the faith. They will depart from the faith by being devoted to these other things that aren't about Jesus. Now, I'm not going to go into all the legalistic, religious type stuff again. We've talked about that. We actually talked about that. This is kind of referring back to a little bit some of the stuff we talked about in chapter 1 when it talks about being so caught up in gene genealogies and all these kind of things, all this tradition and legalism and things like that. You just need to know that that's the context of this. He's saying that some will get so caught up in the rules and regulations and all that type stuff that they will depart away from the true and living Jesus Christ and they will be focused so much on all of these things and all of these ways and rules and regulations and all that type stuff that they will forget who Jesus really is. That's the context. But what I want to do out of this, since you've already heard that from me, we've been really strong against that and a lot of people you know, might be like, it seems like we talk about that awful lot. Jesus Christ was harsher with Pharisees. He was continually after Pharisees, the religious, the legalistic. You go and read the Gospels. You go and read the life of Jesus Christ. He was harder on Pharisees than he ever was on sinners. He pounded re religious legalism continually over and over and over again. Whitewashed tombs you are. 
But we've talked about that. And so today, I want to look at the other side of that, and I want to look at what Jesus Christ is saying to us right now, what Jesus Christ is saying to those of you sitting in the room that are saying, I don't want to be a legalist. I don't want to be hard. I don't want to be just all about a set of, of, of stipulations and guidelines. I don't want to be like that. I want to be, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be for real. I want to be, I want to be used by God to change lives, to speak into people's lives. And so out of the negative comes the positive. And as we ask, who are real Christians? How do we look at ourselves and say, am I for real? Am I the real deal? Well, let's look at the scriptures here and let's show what Jesus Christ is calling, what Paul is writing to Timothy here. He says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to the deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. You see, Paul is saying that you need to be careful of people who have gone away from Jesus Christ and looking at this. And, and in other words, he says, you need to make sure that you are devoted to the things of Christ. Because there are some that won't be. There are some that will not be, you see, real Christians. They do not depart, but are devoted. Real Christians, true believers, do not depart. They are devoted. They never go away. They get banged up, knocked down, kicked around, spit on, but they never go away. Nobody ever told me. You see, when I came to know Jesus Christ, that's kind of how I had to come. Because I was hard as a rock. I, I like to sin. I like to get at it. I like to, to party and do all these things. It was a pleasure to me. Although I knew it was wrong, I knew it was hurting my family, I knew it was hurting me, I knew it was hurting everyone around me, there was a problem. I liked doing it. And so as I began to see Christ and, and as He began to work in my life, I had to, my prayer was, as He changed my life was, God, you need to please change my desire. If you are for real, if you are serious, if you are real, then I need you to change my desires. I need, I, I, I don't want to do this stuff, but I can't help wanting to do it. I need you to change me. I need you to bring me into desiring you and to, to sing to you and to love you and to pray to you and, and, and to read about you and to get for real about you. How many of you are sitting out there, I wonder, that would say, Brandon, everything that you say every Sunday sounds great. It sounds wonderful. When and how can I start wanting those things? I don't want to do what I do anymore. I want to be set free. I want to come into the saving knowledge. You see, that is a work of God. And until you enter into his presence and devote yourself to Jesus Christ and to look on Jesus, to be changed by Jesus, transformed by Jesus, you will depart. True Christians have, have laid themselves aside and said, Jesus Christ, not my will, but yours. Please come into my life. Change me from the inside out. You see, we are to be devoted to Jesus Christ. I would ask you this, and, and a lot of people, and I'm the same way, a lot of people, we, we, we get to this place to where we're wondering what's going on, and we're wondering what's wrong, and we're saying, my hand is really hurting. We hit it again with a hammer. Bam! My hand! My hand's hurting. Bam! We're hurting ourselves. We're killing ourselves. You remember that movie, um, Liar, Liar, with Jim Carrey? And he can't tell a lie, so he's trying to get out of court, so he goes into the, the bathroom, and he's punching himself in the face. And he comes back out, and he's all beat up, and the judge's like, what happened to you? Like, this guy just beat me down about my height. We're kind of like that. We're punching ourselves in the face and we're going, why does my face hurt? And we have a will problem. We need, for, we need for Jesus Christ to actually transform us. We need to come into his presence. And if you don't see him, if you can't see him, if you don't look his way, you can't see his face, see his glory, to change your desire, to change your will, and have yourself into his presence, you've got to look. You've got to look at him. You've got to be devoted. And so I would say stop hitting yourself with a hammer. Actually open your Bible. 
Actually go and fellowship with people outside of the church. Get, in, get involved with people because it leads us into our, our how, do you, how do you become devoted? How do you become, how do you become alive? How do you become, how do you become, to, you see, you don't have to try to breathe, do you? You don't have to try to breathe. I mean, if you try not to breathe, your, your body will be like, uh-uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Sorry, bud. It will make you breathe. There's a, there's a section of scripture in Romans chapter 8 toward the end of the chapter that says, What then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Not heights or depths or powers, angels or anything above or below, and it goes through a whole list of things. Did you know that once you have given yourself to Christ, once he has taken you, you see, this is the work of God, it's not your work. Once he has come in and ravaged your soul and, and opened your eyes to the truth to that, so that you cannot desire anything more than him, you see, that's salvation. That salvation is when Jesus Christ opens your eyes, you say, oh my, God, I gotta have you. You, I gotta have you. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. Jesus Christ is looking to open up your eyes. He's looking to come, and he's looking to come hard into your life. What are you devoted to? Are you devoted to other things more than you are devoted to him? You need to pray that God would change your desires. You need to pray that he would change your desires. You see, once we have come into that, once we have come into that place of desiring, once we have come to that place of salvation where Jesus Christ has opened our eyes and we are in love with him, you see, we can't take ourselves out of that salvation. The bottom line is, is that the scripture says, now the Spirit expresses says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. What they're saying, what he's saying is, is that be careful because there are some people in the church who talk about Jesus all the time, but they're really going the other way. And they are receiving teachings from, from false prophets that are, that are being really seated and pushed and promoted by demons. And so... They're leading people away from Jesus Christ. And this is stuff inside the church. You say, why do you keep coming back to legalism and, and religion? Because it's, it's, it's almost more dangerous than the world out there. Because it presents itself in such a way as it would bring salvation, but in the end, it leads to death and condemnation. You see, when you come to know Jesus, and you come to know Jesus in a real way, you can't take yourself out of the life of Christ. It would be like you trying to stop breathing. You might pass, slam out, fall on the floor, we'll pull a sheet right over you, keep on going. But your body will start breathing again. You cannot take yourself out of the hand of Jesus Christ. The second is, is that they are not seared or cauterized, but free to live. The text says is that they do this, they move away, they depart, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving. Well, you, mean, you say, what does he mean there by whose consciences have been seared? There's, and I was, I was trying to think of a few ways to do this, and one thing that just kept coming back to my mind, now it's not a Christian song, but it is a real song. And I'm not sure who was original on this. Maybe Wesley can help me later, some of you who are musically inclined. But I know that a couple of different bands did it. But I remember um, most vividly when Johnny Cash did the song Hurt. Any, anybody remember that song? It says, I hurt, I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I'll focus on the pain the only thing that's real you remember that and the bottom line was what he was saying is is that when the blood flows when the pain comes and I feel it I know that I'm alive I know I'm not dead yet because the pain I can feel the pain I still have feeling and even though it's pain it's real and you see the way that we know that we are alive is that we feel pain, is that the blood flows. When he talks about their consciences being seared, it's almost like they've had, they've had their wound cauterized, they've had their arteries cauterized, and the blood's not flowing anymore. 
The blood of Christ is not flowing anymore. You see, the bottom line is, how do you know you're real? How do you know you're for real, and how do you know you're not just playing church? How do you know you're not just pushing somebody into a set of rules? How do you know? Is that you're not so focused on the rules that you can't see the people. You see, a lot of the times what we do is, is that we are so concerned with these things that we absolutely cut out all mistakes, we cut out all hurt, we cut out all pain. But true believers see the blood of Christ and it flows freely. And they are not scared to feel pain. They will get beside someone who has made a mistake. They will welcome someone in who has made a mistake. Everybody on this stage up here, including me, has made mistake after mistake after mistake. But Jesus Christ came anyway. It's not about how right somebody is. It's not about the correctness of their actions. Man, we got to get next to people who are hurting and in pain. We got to not be scared to feel the pain too. Because that's what the Bible is saying. Don't be seared. Don't be hardened. When somebody comes to the church, and don't you think that we can't be like this? What if somebody comes in in a suit? You see, it's not that you've got to wear a suit or you've got to dress casual. The problem is, is when you look at somebody and say, you've got to be like me. That's the problem. Who cares? Everybody's like, what do I wear? What do I wear? What do I wear? Clothes. Because if you came naked, it would not be good. It's about loving people where they are. And if you're seared, if you're cut off, if you're cauterized and the blood has stopped flowing, then you are dead. And you're a stiff corpse who doesn't ever do anything, who, who never ever loves, who never ever feels pain. You see, you can't just have love all the time and no pain. You can't just have right all the time with no wrong. I had to do an essay in college on hate. Is there anything good about hate? And we won't get into it all, but one good thing I found about hate. You know one good thing I found about hate? From hate, we get love. Just like from darkness, we get light. You can never appreciate love without hate. You can never appreciate glorious, wonderful, longing for fulfilling without pain. It would just be indifferent. And I'm not saying that we should go around looking for pain. But what I'm saying is, is that let's live complete lives. Let's be real. And you know the only way you can do that is to know Jesus. Are you seared or cauterized? Are you so concerned with, with all of the ways that people should do things that you, that you have to shut the door when they make mistakes, when they're in pain, when they're in hurt? And I'll tell you right now, I, I, I struggle with this too. I am by nature, I am theologically driven. I am logically minded. I, am bibli I like biblical doctrine. <laughs> and so I'll never forget a while back, this has been a while now, I had, and I was, it's been several years ago, and I've always liked to dig in and get doctrine out. I have to, I have to make sure that I'm letting God lead here uh, to, to make sure that, that I'm preaching what God would have me to preach and not just kind of doctrinal stuff. And, and we need to learn, and we need to grow, we need to be pushed, we need to be motivated, we need to be passionate. But I'll never forget, I was sitting down across the table with a friend of mine. He was actually, had been a friend of mine for a while. And he was obviously really hurting, and, and he was in pain. And he was a sinner. And it seemed as if I forgot that I was a sinner too. And as he's pouring out to me that, that his fiance or his girlfriend for a long time and thought he would marry her, that, that she had, that had left him and had broken his heart and ha he was in so much pain and, and weeping and, and he's sharing with me and unloading on me and, and, and letting me know all the things that was going on and, and you know what's going on here I don't know what's going on my heart is shattered I'm just so desperate right now what's going on why does this have to happen to me and to show you that I, I struggle too with this whole idea of being free to just live and love and be Jesus. You see, we, we usurp Jesus sometimes and we act like we're God. And I looked at this guy who was in pain and who was struggling. I said, well, here's your problem. And I started reading them scriptures. 
look, you sinned right here. No wonder she left. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I gave him what I think even still today was probably why his, his relationship was having problems and just his life in general was, was having problems. But at that moment, I was so focused on the way that you do things that I missed the whole point. I missed the whole point. The point was not to show him what he had done wrong and beat him down even more. It was to wrap my arms around him and say, brother, I'm here for you. I love you. I love you. We'll, 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 we'll get through this together. You see, I was so blinded and cauterized by the way things are supposed to be, and there are a way that things are supposed to be. There is. But that way should lead you into love and not to push love away. It should lead you to accept people in their place of pain and mistakes and hardship and trials instead of pushing them away. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law. It is up to us to welcome people in to fellowship and in to love them and feel pain with them. Are you cauterized or does the blood flow freely? Are you cauterized? Are you seared off? Or are you willing to get in there with people? And there are so many different spectrums in here. Some of the wealthy people in the room have to look and say, am I free to, to interact with people who are not on my level? There are people in here who don't have means to do anything, but that would be used by God to bring salvation to someone who is in a higher tax bracket than them. If they would only cross that border. You see, we don't just need to come from one economic status down to this economic status. We need to take the glory of God from this economic status up to this one. We need to show them it ain't about the money. It ain't about the money. When I went to Nicaragua to, to minister to those kids, you know what? They ministered to me. And they didn't have money. They didn't have a toilet. But you know what they did have? Time. Time. And each other. Relationships. And I learned. I learned. It's in, the mid, it's in the middle. So what are Christians doing? We looked at who they are, and the bottom line is that Christians are not departing from the faith. They can't depart from the faith. True Christians cannot depart from the faith. They might waver. They might fall. They might bust their face and knock their two front teeth out, but they cannot depart because they're tied to this family. God will not let you go. If you didn't know, I'll tell you now that the Holy Ghost will haunt you for the rest of your life if you have come to know Jesus Christ. He will not let you go. He won't relent till he has it all. They're not seared, they're cauterized. So as you look in that mirror, you've got to say, am I devoted to Jesus Christ? Am I going after him? And though I may fail, do I consider getting in my Bible serious business? Do I consider going after people for the kingdom of heaven serious business? Am I devoted to Jesus Christ above all other things? What is most important to you? That is a fair question. And if the answer is not Jesus Christ, you have some soul searching to do, and so do I. It's not a game. It's not okay to say, well, right now, but one day. No. Go home. Kill the sin. Murder the flesh. Kill it. Always be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Are you devoted to Jesus Christ? And if not, examine your heart to see whether or not you be in the faith. And number two, are you seared off from feeling and loving people who are in hurting positions and who are in pain? Or are you free to enjoy fellowship and love with them? And what's cool is I've had people come to me because of the well and say, Brandon, this was weird to me at first because they some crazy people here. But you know, I think that's what church should be like. I mean, you got one person on this side of the sanctuary looking over there on the other side of the sanctuary like, did you see who was here today? And that same person over here is like, look who's here. But that's cool. That's all right. As long as you're not judging. It's okay. I think some of y'all are crazy. <laughs> and I'm sure some of it can. And somebody who was new here just say, can he say that? 
Yeah, that's the least of it. Number two, what are they doing? What are we, what are we to be about? What are we to be doing? And we'll, we'll move on kind of quickly through this one because we touched a lot on this. But, the, but it goes on to say, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. What are they doing? You see, we looked at real Christians are devoted to Christ. They're not seared, but they're free to love. You see, Jesus Christ has filled them full, and so they can really actually get into relationships with people that are for real because they're not looking to get anything from anybody because they're already filled up full. You see, that's how you really get in good relationships. Once you deal with the relationship between you and God, then you can actually have relationships with other people. But the relationship with God will determine your relationships with everybody else because, because if you're not filled up with God, then you will try to fill up with other people, which puts you in a place of using them, abusing them, and draining them dry. That's fact, Jack, okay? You can't get away from it. So get in with Jesus, okay, devoted to him. But secondly, once you are in Jesus, what should your conduct be? What should be the way that you go about doing life and living out life and the way that you uh, enjoy things? And the bottom line is, is that the things that Christians are doing is living in the freedom of relationship. They live in the freedom of relationship. You see, in this context right here, you had these, these seared, hardened, uh, no conscience so-called believers that were saying, no, I don't care what you think. This is the way you need to do it. I don't care what your life situation is. This is what you need to be doing. And what two, two examples in particular are the forbidding of marriage and the abstinence of certain types of food which God said, look, I made it all. It's good. Go ahead and eat. Chow down, baby. Met a vegetarian last night. No joke. Met a vegetarian last A guy. And if you're a vegetarian guy in the room, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just make fun of you. That's the life choice. I'll honor it, respect it, love you, give me your burger. Because I will eat it. Medium rare. And I'll be like, amen? Yeah. In heaven there will be a feast. Why do you think he ended it on a supper? There's going to be some good food. Perfect, spotless, blemishless cows. That's high quality beef. Where was I at? Oh, man, I'm hungry now. You see, in Landrum and, and Lyman and, and Gallonsville and Campbell, we're hungry. We're not hungry. Amen? I met this vegetarian guy last night, <laughs> and I didn't get to talk to him a lot, but when he, when he said, then this is no joke, I guess it was just kind of, you know, when he said, no, because we, we was at cookout. He worked at cookout. I mean, you can get a hot dog as a side <laughs> at cookout. I mean, you know, it's the greatest place in the world for me. So it was very ironic. And he said, no, I haven't tried that. Uh, Hambone was asking him about the barbecue. Because Hambone likes to eat meat. And uh, he said, well, I don't know. I haven't tried it. I, I'm a vegetarian. And I just automatically, I didn't even mean to. I was like, Why? <laughs> I thought, it's got to be some kind of religious thing because why? But I don't even know why I was talking about that. <laughs> oh, now I remember. <laughs> it's that they were, they were saying that they were forbidding marriage and abstinence, abstinence from food and, 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 and saying they were making man-made rules. You see, the reason that churches get so legalistic and wrapped up in all of those things is that they're scared. It's real easy. It's not very, it's, they don't trust. And, and we start to do that too. You know, we start to do that too. We, we, we think, God, I just don't think people should do this. I know your word doesn't say it, but they just don't need to wear shorts to church. I, God, you need to put write, write that in. It's just fear. And, and when we start to make up man-made rules, now, not all of these things are bad. There are actually instances where some, somebody might, they may need to stay away from this thing, or they, need to, they, they may need to be abstinent from this thing or that thing. 
Paul says about marriage, he says, I wish that all of you would be like me and, and just not be married so you can completely devote yourself to Christ. But he says, even Paul says, but this is, this is my opinion. This is not, you know, God says get married because y'all a bunch of crazy freaks and y'all can't control yourself, so y'all need to get married. But if you were like me, it would be better and just devote yourself to Christ. But you see, this, this teaching was coming out in such a way that said, if you get married, then you are doing what God would, would condemn. It's taking man-made rules and setting them above the Word of God, setting them above this gospel. And it's not right. It's not right. It's not right to look at something that you struggle with and, and maybe you should never do this one thing again because it's a struggle for you. Maybe you should never get on a computer again because you struggle that much with porn. That's legitimate. Maybe you need to abstain from technology. I don't know. Maybe you need to take and, and be absent, abstinent from cable television because you just cannot stop watching the late night movie channels and the porn on there. That's legitimate. But what's not right is for you to look at everybody else and say, you cannot watch cable. Thou shalt not watch cable. Because not everybody has that struggle. It's a person-to-person -person basis, and we need to look at our Christian conscience. You see, they were putting themselves in the place of God, and we don't have time, but later on in Timothy, he actually says, some of you, and these younger widows, you see, they were having a problem with the widows. Some of them wanted to remarry, and they were forbidding it. But Paul says, look, some of you older widows, you know, you don't really, you know, you're not really into that. You don't need to, you don't need to get married. You can control yourself. There's things that you can do to keep yourself busy and, and you have people taking care of you. Don't get married. But he says, some of you younger widows, you need to remarry because you can't control yourself. You need somebody to help. You need to get remarried. And so I'm sure this is part of what he was dealing with, but you have some really religious people who thought that it would be best if they just cut marriage out altogether. But Paul is saying, no, this is a good gift from God. People are doing that all around you today. People are doing that all around you. And we can't really get into this. But what Christians do is that they live in the freedom of relationship. And I don't have a ton of time, but I do have some time. I'll give you this illustration because this really helped me. Those who don't really know God, those who don't really know Christ, live in a relationship with Him or live in a, in, in a how should I say, because it's not really a relationship. They live in a closeness to Him or in proximity to Him that is like a very formal relationship. There's not any intimacy in that relationship. There's not any um, freedom in that relationship. There's no softness in that relationship. It's kind of like if you were working at a big company and you saw your big boss, the, the highest up guy, the CEO, walk by every day. And you were getting close to him sometimes, but you didn't know him. I use this illustration here. At my house, there is a certain amount of freedom for different people that come to my house. If you know me really well, then you can come into my house without knocking. If you don't know me that well, don't come in my house without knocking. You might get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Now, some people... They don't really know where they are in the relationship, so they come in without knocking. Well, we think maybe they won't do that again. We have to talk to them. Depends on the relationship. Some people can come in my house without knocking. Some people can come in my house when I'm not there. Some people will get the law called on them if they come in my house when I'm not there. You see, there's a certain amount of freedom that comes with the level of relationship that you have with that person. You see, this is my house. So depending on who you are, you can come and go freely. You can come in. You can enjoy the stuff that I've spent my money on. You know, I've got food in my refrigerator. I've got drinks there. I've got certain facilities that are there available to those who they are available to. And depending on who you are, you can come and enjoy those things without having to look at me. You see, my son knows that he can go and he can get food out of the refrigerator, whatever he wants. He doesn't have to, you know, sneak by me. He doesn't have to wonder. But if there's somebody that comes over that's just kind of like an acquaintance of mine, they come, they knock on the door, they wait. I come and I open the door. They don't even know which rooms they can go into. 
they have to, they're, they're more worried about the rules of the house than they are loving and knowing me. Does that make sense? They are more worried about my rules of the house than they are about the relationship and about just being free to go. So if somebody comes in and they don't really know me, they come in, they don't even know which room they can go in, so what do they do? People come into your house like this all the time. They come in, they, sit for, they stand for a while, and, and, and if they're polite, if you don't know them that well, they'll even wait for you to tell them where to sit. Is this right? You know, some people are not like that. They're like, what's up? And they come in and sit down. You're like, that's my chair. <laughs> but, you know, they come in, they, you say, oh, have a seat. I'm glad to see you. Have a seat. And you sit down. But does that person that you don't know, do they just say, hold on a second, I'm going to give me something to drink. And they get up and they go into the next room, they get something to drink, they come back. If you don't know that person, you're going, who does this guy think he is? That's my drink. You see, it's the level of relationship. And, and, and depending on your relationship with the homeowner depends your level of freedom to just live in the house. You see, even my children, you see, the relationships go like this. It's me and my God, me and my wife, me and my kids, me and my extended family, and everybody else. So even my kids know that there are rooms in the house that they don't need to be in. There's a room with a, a water heater in it. If I saw one of the boys going to that room, I'd be like, get out of that room. See, you, don't need no, you ain't got no business in there. They don't need to come in to my bathroom. And you go use your bathroom. It's my bathroom. I don't need to be messing up my bathroom. Peeing on the seat. Heather's fussing at me, thinking it was me. Go use your bathroom. But you see, the level of relationship. Now, my wife, she can go in any room of the house she wants to at any time she wants to, get anything she wants to, and she doesn't have to ever ask me anything. Sometimes I ask her. I didn't think about that here. You see what I'm saying, though? Does this make sense? Are you a child of God? Are you, are you, are you just sold up, sewed up into him and sold out to him in such a way that you can actually live life? That you can live life free? You see, my kids, they're not, they're not walking around on eggshells wondering if daddy's going to be mad at them. They're not walking around on eggshells wondering what they can do and what they can't do. And, oh, don't go there. Don't go there. They just live. And they do make mistakes. They go places that they're not supposed to go or they get into things and sometimes they have access to all the food in the house but sometimes it's not time to eat. But I'll find them in there with the popsicle. Ezekiel's got it all over his face. And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, what? <laughs> no, I see it. <laughs> are, you, are you sold out and sold into God in such a way that you can live or are you just tiptoeing around wondering if God's going to bust you right in the mouth because you walked into his house and went to the wrong spot. That you came in in the wrong way. That you grabbed something you shouldn't have grabbed. You see? There are some things that you just don't need to do. There are. But you know how you find those things out? You get in the word of God and you get into prayer. You pray, because some things are just written in the Word of God, thou shalt not. We have those there, and you need to listen to them, because God has put that there for you. But there are some things that aren't written, thou shalt not. There are some things that aren't necessarily sin. There are some things that are morally neutral, like television, and like those things. And in those instances, we need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to check ourselves and examine our hearts and check our consciences out to see whether or not we have been given the freedom for those things. You need to search the scriptures diligently. And another thing is, is that we bring, this is fun too right here, we bring people into the freedom of this relationship as well. What are they doing? They're bringing others into his freedom. For example, if if Titus brings a friend to the house, if he brings Ethan over to the house or if he brings Grayson over to the house or any one of his friends, when he brings that person into the house, any friend of his is a friend of mine. So when he brings them to the house, they have automatic freedom. You need to bring people into relationship with God. You need to bring them to a place of knowing him and being able to live in freedom. 
Do you bring people to that place of freedom or do you carve out places for them to go where God never is? Are you setting rules for people or are you loving people? Are you telling them, don't do that, he won't like it. Or are you saying, let's go play? <laughs> That's what Titus says. Let's go. Let's run free. This is my daddy's house. Let's go. We can enjoy. Now, do they go some places they shouldn't go? Sure. But I don't beat them down. I say, hold on, hold on, guys. That probably won't be good for you. You might get hurt out there. Let's play over here. I'll show them a freedom that they can enjoy. Are you living in a free relationship with Jesus Christ in such a way that not only does it guide you through what you can and cannot do and, and, and open you up to give you the freedoms that you can absolutely live for him, and then when other people see you living free like that, they say, can I come play? See, all of your kids' friends should love to come to your house. They should love to come to your house because when you get to go to his house, it's free. You can go and you can play and he'll give you stuff. And he'll, you see, that's how your father in heaven is. Don't live all closed in and hemmed in, unable to feel pain or see need. Invite people in continually. And in so doing, you will get all your food eaten up. And you will have to spend money, as my mama knows. My mama in here? Oh, she's in Kidwell this morning. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something right now. I used to eat my mama out of house. Oh! I'd bring like three of my friends over, and mom was like, no, no. Because <laughs> we was football players, and we liked to eat meat. See, going back to that. Just devour everything in the house. Cans, empty cans everywhere. It was bad. Bring other people into that freedom. Don't be so, you know. Yeah. Bring people into the freedom. And the last point is, and we'll wrap it up with this, is where did they come from? The last part of the scripture says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. You say, well, he's, th he's talking about things right there. Yeah, I agree. But I think that there's a bigger picture being painted. And what he's talking about is we can put anything in this category you want to, food, drink, um, sexual relationships with your wife and husband um, or just in the world in general technology work sleep eating food all these things you see everything created by God is good but the problem is, is that we've taken good things and we've made them evil things the world has hijacked sex the world has hijacked sleep the world has hijacked work the, the world has hijacked all these things and now Satan is trying to use good things created by God as an evil tool against you. So what the church does, instead of trusting God to bring about through Christian conscience and through the, 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 the Holy Spirit, instead of trusting Him to bring uh, proper restrictions to that and to, to, to be with people and to lead them and guide them through Christian conscience, we just say, you should never do this, you should never do this, you should never do this, you should never do this. But what the Bible says is that you should do all of those as God allows you and gives you freedom to do so. You see, sex is something that was created by God that is good. But the world has hijacked it and made it seem bad. It is for Christian married couples. Enjoy it. Marriage is wonderful. Food is wonderful as it is consecrated and made holy by the word of God. We need to be in our Bibles. You see, you should enjoy food and drink and relationships more than anybody else because you understand and know God and you're not stealing them. You see, you go into somebody's house and I actually have done this before. I go into a friend's house I didn't know all that well, you know, when I was a teenager. And I'll be hungry and I'll sneak into the kitchen, grab some peanuts and I'm gone. I'm in, the, I'm in the bathroom. I got to eat them real fast. But if I knew them, if I knew the homeowner, look, you've done that before. That's why you left. But if I knew the homeowner better, and as I got to know them better, and as I felt the freedom, as I felt the freedom, they said, no, what's mine is yours. And I come in, I grab the pack of peanuts, and I take my time. I ain't got to be in a hurry. 
I ain't got to be afraid. Sex is a really good example because outside of the marriage bed, and it brings shame. And you got to hurry and hide. But as a good gift given by God, you take the time and enjoy it. There's no, there's no wrath to come. There's no, there's no hiding. Same with food. Take a bite of that burger, you'll be like, mm, God made that. Why is that, though? Where did that come from? You see, all things that are given by God are good, but it is us who have made them bad. They come, they come from the Word. It's the Word. You see, true Christians come out of the Word. True Christians hear the Word of God. It sits in their soul. The Holy Spirit comes in, and He starts to, to do a work from the inside out. And he's changing you, and he's shaping you, and molding you. And you know the biggest thing that he does in your life is he breaks the chains that bind you to sin. And he says, you are my child again. And he brings you into this presence, into this relationship that says, this world is yours. I created this for you. I created this. I created all of this, and it's all good. Enjoy it. See, and we were part of that creation too. And God made you good. God made man in the likeness of his image. He made the male and female. And after he made them, he stood and looked and he said, Oh, this is good. Very good. But we fell away. We wandered away. And we stepped outside the house. And we looked back at the house. And we wanted that out there more than we wanted the relationship in the house. We are the prodigal son turned and walked away and the whole time the father was saying come back please come back and somewhere out there somewhere out there some way the father got the word to you you see you must come from the word as well true believers always come from the word true believers always come from the word and so as the word goes forth today, do you hear it? Don't you see? You were created in the beginning through the word of God. And in the end, when you've steered away from God, when you've walked away from God, and the relationship has been severed, and you're living in chains of sin rather than freedom of relationship, God is calling. And on the cross, God is calling. God is calling you to a relationship with Him. God is calling you to live in the freedom of relationship instead of the chains of sin. And some of you have lived in the, the freedom of relationship before, but for some reason you have reached down and picked up those old chains and those old cuffs and you snapped them back onto your wrist, entering into your sin again. And God would say, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm big enough. As we all stand to our feet, I want to paint a little bit of a picture for you. Because I would just wonder, how many are in pain today? How many of you have made mistakes and you feel, I hear it all the time, Brandon, I can't go back to church. I can't do that again. You don't understand the things that I've done. You don't understand the things that, that I've, I've let come into my life. And God is here. Jesus is here. And he's saying, this is my house. This is my house. And in my house, through my word, is freedom. And as Jesus crossed, Jesus Christ was chained to the cross. As he, was, as he was on the cross with the nails, bound to the cross, chained to the cross. And he could not come off the cross. He would not come off the cross. So that he could look at you and say, your chains are gone. Freedom is real. And as he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you can look at God and say, why have you accepted me? <laughs> Jesus Christ was killed so that you could live. Jesus Christ was hopeless so that you would have hope. Jesus Christ was crushed so that you could be lifted. Jesus Christ is everything that you needed to be so that you could be everything you need to be. Will you lay down your chains today? Will you lead other people into freedom? You can't lead other people into freedom if you're a slave. 
And so today, by the word of God and the proclamation of truth, I offer to you freedom through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he looked down, remember his words. Let them sink down into your heart. Let them overflow onto you like you've never experienced in the history of your life. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Child of God, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You might not have known, but now you know this is God's house. And he says, Ma casa, su casa, you come to me. Come to me. Live in freedom. Live in freedom. Look at his face. Devoted to Christ. Living in freedom. Coming from the word. I say to you, live. Live.